0: Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for a bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My guest today is Bruce Ackerman, Sterling Professor of Law and Political Science at Yale. He is, I, I believe, the world's most preeminent scholar in the area of comparative constitutional law with his ideas having been the basis for constitutional reforms in multiple countries. Dr. Ackerman is also the author of 19 books, the most recent of which is Revolutionary Constitutions, Charismatic Leadership and the Rule of Law, which we'll be talking about today. Bruce Ackerman, welcome to the show.
1: My pleasure. How are you, Michael?
0: I, I'm doing well, and like I said, I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is fascinating stuff, and it's a the book is a, is a big book, and I mean that in the best way, full of all kinds of ideas. Uh, and and in it, just to give some background, you examine populist leaders, revolutionary movements, really from around the world, looking for insights about populism, charismatic leadership, and constitutional democracy. And I thought the best place to start might be with uh, your three ideal types or three paths to regime change that you talk about in the book. And these are the path of revolutionary outsiders, pragmatic insiders, and finally, elite construction. And so I thought maybe you could give us a summary of each of these
1: paths. Sure. Uh, this first volume of it's There's going to be another volume. Uh, this vo- first volume is on uh, revolutionary constitutions. And one of its great targets is the cold war uh, remnant, which says um, uh, during the uh, 20th century, the real revolutionaries were Mao and Lenin. They wanted to do t- transform the whole uh, world. Uh, Uh, immediately into a utopia, uh, and uh, they uh, inevitably went in the direction of totalitarianism. Um,
2: And uh, uh,
1: what I want to say is that this is simply uh, a... uh, Cold War mytho- uh, mythology, uh, that over the course of the 20th century, there were other revolutions, very serious ones, by revolutionary outsiders who spent decades and decades uh, struggling and mobilizing to overthrow an illegitimate regime. Uh, and uh, instead of becoming totalitarians, which is, of course, a great danger of this revolutionary ideal type. Um, They uh, actually, when they finally got to power, uh, constitutionalized the principles of their revolution. Uh, And uh, so uh, time one in the revolutionary model is uh, mobilization and struggle, And time two is uh, the race against time. Were were they going to uh, move in the direction of totalitarianism or constitutionalism? Uh, And uh, we'll let uh, the other parts of the uh, story uh, uh, keep in the air while we move to the other two ideal types. Uh, The uh, second, as you say, is... um, Pragmatic insiders. Uh, the best example uh, is uh, uh, the Brits um, uh, uh, from um, 1832 uh, uh, on. Every generation, just as with, uh, uh, just as in the post French Revolutionary period, uh, uh, in throughout Europe and the United States, every generation there is an effort by revolutionary outsiders to to denounce. Um, the uh, insiders as um, corrupt. Right. Uh, however, in this second model, what the pragmatic insiders do is they manage to split the revolutionary movement in two. Uh, one, the sensible huh. screamers.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and the other one, the crazies. Right. Uh, and then co-opt the sensible people into the governing elite. Uh, This is precisely what happens in 1832. Uh, mm. And the Reform Act. And it goes on and on. Every generation in the United Kingdom's history, uh, Gladstone and Disraeli, uh, the Labor Party moves up and finally uh, um, uh, is co opted into the system, uh, et cetera, and so forth as we move uh, forward. Uh, uh, and uh, what the great danger is, and we're seeing this right now, as we'll go on, we'll talk a bit later on about it. The, the danger here is what happens when the elite effort at co-optation uh, fails? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, and so the great danger is that the, uh, in this second model is that the elite loses its credibility.
3: Right right.:
1: The third model is uh well just to clarify we will call that the establishmentarian model the establishment loses its credibility the um uh because we i we i reserve the word elite to the third type here okay. yeah. the uh elite uh, here um there is no mobilization at all you see what the, the the thing that the first two models have in common is that there are uh, there's a mobilized movement for uh, um uh democracy equality socialism what have you uh which uh either succeeds liberalism succeeds or fails uh in the first uh, uh path it succeeds in the second path it's co-opted by the establishment right. the third one uh is that there isn't a mass movement for anything mm-hmm. the regime collapses uh either it collapses. Of its own weight, as in um, Franco Spain, uh, or it collapses because uh, it's uh, 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 taken over by uh, military conquerors, right. as in uh, post World War II Germany and Japan, mm-hmm. as in uh, Iraq uh, and uh, Afghanistan and the like, uh, and. Uh, the, it is very, everybody recognizes who is writing the Constitution. Right. It's the uh, occupiers, the right. military occupiers. Yeah. Uh, they have some puppets. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, uh, but it's up to the occupiers to decide whether the Constitution's okay, not the people. Right. So that later on, when the occupiers leave, uh, uh, these constitutions have a very different problem. That's yeah. the problem of authenticity. Why in the world should um, uh, the um, uh, uh, Constitution of Japan, uh, uh, written by the Allies, uh, govern today? Right. Yeah. That is precisely what Prime Minister Abe is asking. Yeah.
0: And and that's what I wanted to ask you about because it it seems to me that no matter which of these paths, the goal is to uh, solidify and and legitimize to the people this regime change, and and each of these models, as I understand it, kind of presents different problems with making that making that revolution uh, permanent. I guess.
1: Uh, Well, nothing is permanent. Yeah, sure. (laughs) More (laughs) longer lasting. You're quite right. The when, but I I don't like the word goal. Mm-hmm. The problem is, uh, whether the regime will legitimate itself to its participants, right. <laughs> the political elite, which is, you know, I mean, uh, when we take surveys, I take a lot of surveys with, uh, of, uh, collaborators, uh, uh. And this is almost a constant. It's really quite remarkable. Um, uh, You name a country, uh, there is about 10% of the population who are political junkies Mm -hmm. in the sense of being sports junkies. Right. See, (laughs) Um, uh, they really are. There are some people who really find this interesting and overwhelming majority don't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the second crucial group is that 10%. Do they think, look at these clowns, or, um, uh, you know, they're going somewhere. Then there is the general public who, from time to time, a, a regime crisis, this is going to be terribly important. Do they say, look at those clowns, or, you know, they are trying to do something important for us. Uh, So uh, it's uh, really uh, three different problems that the elite itself believes that it's doing what it's doing Uh is sensible. Uh, (laughs) Second, uh, the political class, we can call it. uh, uh, And the third, uh, uh, the general public. Right. So those are the three uh, problems uh, that. We always face, you know, yeah. we're facing it of course right now in the United States, but uh in a very acute way. But yeah, it's definitely. generally the problem. Yeah.
0: And so generally speaking, do you find that if you can bring that political class on board, the people tend to follow? Is there is there a strong, you know, relationship between those things?
1: There's no necessary relationship.
0: Okay, that's, a, that's 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 an important point. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: that's absolutely an excellent question. But uh, no, I, the uh, uh, there's no necessary relationship. It's a problem we can call it of coordination mm-hmm. between okay. the three. You see. Gotcha. Um, uh, uh, the uh, in some ways, it's the least important whether the uh, leaders believe that what they're doing it makes sense uh, or whether they're being cynical. All mm-hmm. uh, if everybody else believes that what they're doing makes sense. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> or that even though these people are really serious, you know, at the top, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 everybody else saying, look at those clouds. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, and and the a crucial thing in all of this work, you see, is uh, well, I'm a, really a terribly lucky fellow and uh, 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 I, the Sterling chairs, uh, there are 25 of them in the university and I was lucky enough to get one, which means that I can really uh, do the long run research. This book mm-hmm. is a product of 25 yeah. years of research uh, uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, really quite striking how uh, remarkably similar cont- uh, uh, revolutionary situations are to another, or the other models are to another, uh, uh, more similar than the geographical area, huh. uh, you see. So, for example, in Europe, we have uh, uh, the uh, uh, Germany, which is... Uh, 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 in an elite uh, construction uh, of the mm-hmm. most vulnerable kind. Right, right, right. Imposed by the Allies. Yeah. Yet it has gotten to it's become authentic. Right. Uh, uh, in Spain, it's really suffering authenticity problems right now. <laughs>
2: right, and yet the-
1: um, uh, uh In uh, uh, France, there is this great revolutionary tradition.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
1: cannot understand Macron or, uh, without understanding how he is related to de Gaulle and how de Gaulle is related to previous revolutionary, uh, right. revolutionary traditions in, in uh, French history. Um, uh, Britain is a paradigmatic example, as I suggested, of the establishmentarian model. Mm-hmm. So one of the crucial problems of Europe, which we in the United States don't have, is um, how, uh, when the leading countries of Europe, Poland is another revolutionary model, uh, when the leading countries of uh, Europe uh, um, uh, don't even, uh, uh, can't even, their histories aren't those that converge on a single model of legitimation, how are they going to legitimate the European Union? Right, right. You see, while we... We have tons of problems in the United States, but we don't have that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a revolutionary tradition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and uh, we'll get to that uh, later on. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, because I do think that however 2020 and 2024 uh, work out, uh, uh, we have a good deal to learn uh, from more recent uh, uh Exercises in revolutionary constitutionalism, mm-hmm. we were the first successful colonial revolution in right. uh, the world's history, in the modern world's history. Uh, uh, and there were a lot of things that uh, the founders uh, couldn't even imagine. yeah, for sure. Uh, okay
0: yeah, uh, anyway. a, a minute ago, you mentioned Charles de Gaulle I'm glad you did, because I wanted to bring him up. Uh, in yes. relation to the concept of charisma, I, I mean, it comes up a yes. lot in the book, and, and I think. Debate. When, when people hear that word, they think of someone like a de Gaulle or, or even like a, like a Donald Trump. But yes. what I, one of the things that was fascinating about the book is you argue that that's really only one type of leadership charisma, which is actually somewhat conceptually distinct from what you call organizational charisma. And so I was hoping you could kind of unpack this a little bit for us.
1: Absolutely. Let's put Donald Trump uh, uh, to one side and focus on the non-U.S. cases. And uh, uh, for a moment, um, let's put De Gaulle to one side uh, and uh, focus on um, uh, the two cases which I begin, uh, uh, because uh, we have so much to uh, learn from them, Um, uh, uh, those being uh, India. Mm-hmm. And uh, South Africa. Uh uh Okay. Uh now so here we have in uh Jawaharlal Nehru um and um uh, uh Nelson Mandela. Absolutely boring people. <laughs> okay. They are uh <laughs> uh, in the, they have, uh, you see, both of these people, uh, come out of the, uh, uh, uh co- both of them, you know, they're both, org- they both come out of something called the Congress party, mm-hmm. the Indian Congress party and the South African Congress party arise at the same time, the 1890s, the, uh, uh, Aim of uh, the uh, uh, Congress. The Congress is an, uh, 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 org- a loose organization of westernizing native elites. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you see, because after all, there are civilizations in South Africa
3: right.
1: <laughs> and uh, and in uh, India. Uh, in the Indian case, one of the, uh, the one of the great civilizations for uh, millennia. Um, uh, the uh, and uh, and peop- and uh, and also keep in mind. And this is a thing that really to uh, the, to understand how amazing it is that this country called India exists. The number of spoken languages in India is one thousand four hundred.
0: Wow! <laughs> yeah.
1: The number of cultural groups, who knows, but, th- four, well, let's say 400 languages, I mean, what, what counts as a language? Well, it's hard. The number of cultural groups are, you know, this makes Europe seem like, uh, you know, everybody uh, yeah. sort of knows uh, <laughs> French right, right. for centuries. Then they, now nowadays, they sort of know English. Well, could you imagine this? And yet we have uh, this, uh, and and they're having, as I'm suggesting to you, great trouble in creating a a United States of Europe, whether it be federal or central or whatever. Uh, India exists as a country. Indians think of themselves as citizens of India. Right. That's really remarkable achievement of the enlightenment, and how did that happen? Through um, uh, uh, mobilized sacrifice. The reason why Gandhi and Nehru um, uh, gain authority, and especially Nehru, um, is uh, uh, that uh, he engages in decades of. Sacrifice. The number of times there, in the 1920s up to 1935, Nehru and Gandhi um, uh, are going to jail all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what marks them out. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Um, so that's so I call this kind of a, a symbolic uh, 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 centrality by virtue of the fact of. Sacrificed during the revolutionary period, right? You see, um, the um, then um, uh, uh, and so too. Why? How does De Gaulle uh, get uh, 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 or uh, uh, central? Uh, well, uh, everybody, all the mem- other members of the general staff uh, uh, cave in to the Nazis, right? Right. He leaves and uh, goes to England and uh, uh, in a uh, and Churchill gives him the BBC and he says, we have to continue. Right. Uh, yeah, he we have to continue and nobody follows him. Yeah. The number of uh, 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 Frenchmen who follow who come to uh, Great Britain uh, in the first few months is like a thousand. Mm. Wow! Yeah. Um, uh, So he's like someone shouting in the in the wilderness. Uh, mm-hmm. And most likely, uh, will never. Uh, you know, let's, right. uh, he's a. Yeah. You know, uh, so there are lots of people like that who remain in the wilderness for their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, for everyone who uh, become. You know, uh, and, uh, and and and. Uh, but uh, that's the point. How could it be that uh, um, uh, they don't stay in the wilderness? Well, they organize something. It's a central concept of the book. Um, Movement party. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, hun- hundreds of thousands, millions of people um, uh, from around the country um, uh, 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 are following. Gandhi and Nehru, and when they're leading um, the, uh, 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 the uh, campaigns for greater representation of India, they don't necessarily declare independence, greater representation within the commonwealth, ultimately independence, but they're moving in the direction of self-government um, uh, by the people, uh, there are millions who are following them. Right. Right. Now, why that happens is complicated. That's all. That's yeah. also true in South Africa, with one big difference. Um, the um, well, and it's a lovely uh, a case uh, uh, on the from the comparative point of view. You see, because um, the thing that uh, uh, permits. Uh, uh, uh uh nehru uh and uh, the congress party and uh, uh to win and uh in 1949 is the same thing that ultimately uh permits the uh uh, uh Man- mandela in the uh, uh, 1980s and mm-hmm. the 90s to win uh it's the decline and fall of the british empire ah okay britain Comes out of the Second World War dramatically weak, and right. what um, uh, and and what Clement Attlee does is say we're going to give up India, we're going to give up. Saudi- we're not going to control these countries anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, we're going to do the National Health Service. Right. This is a crucial thing. If Winston Churchill had won, he would have been fighting in India for the next ten years. Yeah, yeah, Churchill certainly. Yeah, uh, uh, but he didn't win, so that meant that the. Uh, the uh, Brits collapse in India, and who is uh, uh, there to occupy the vacuum? Uh, uh, right, uh, Nehru uh, yeah. and the mm-hmm. Congress Party, and it's already well organized. Uh, in uh, when uh, uh, when Britain re- basically retreats uh, from South Africa, it is the Boers, the white people of South Africa who are organized and they take control. Yeah. You see, uh, and, um, the, uh, 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 Mandela, uh, and, uh, others, uh, are, uh, uh, mobilizing against them and they are crushed.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, uh, and uh, most of them, uh, are, uh, socialists and communists. Mandela is a member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party. Not often commented upon, but mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, he resigns from officially resigns from the Communist Party in 1991. Get wow. that? Okay. Wow. Yeah, I, The I, uh, I he that. also be the uh, it's the communist. It's the he is thrown into Robben Island, and uh, he officially resigns. But he changes his philosophy in Robben Island, where he is humiliated. Mm-hmm. He has to wear little short pants. Could you imagine that? also a, a, a legally trained uh, person you know yeah. and a gentleman and all this and he loses you know he 's ripped away from his family and you know for twenty five years right uh, uh, that 's not what happens with nehru you see yeah yeah um, uh, and the the party the congress party goes underground in South Africa, and in the uh, uh, real fighting is in the government exile, and it is financed by the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until 1985, yeah. when Gorbachev um, uh, says, "Look, we can't afford it anymore," and uh, and uh, Thatcher and Reagan are bitter opponents of the African National Congress. Yeah. Uh, but suddenly, the money is turned off mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from uh, uh the communists and Mandela, who has evolved tremendously in um, uh, exile into a constitutionalist uh position um, uh, is then let out uh, and becomes a symbolic hero right you see yeah uh, okay, and so. I'm going on too long, I'm sorry Well, no,
0: no, not, and that's the thing is it's the book is just filled with with fascinating stories it's, and there's it's' why I said at the beginning there's so much here, and uh, as I've <laughs> saying to you before we started, it was just incredibly difficult for me to keep the focus down and not have us go on for like a joe rogan-esque two and a half well, hours but, uh, <laughs> but but yeah let, let me ask you about because in Sweet. the show we focus on for the most part american politics and policy and you you have a chapter on the united states and you call it right. american exceptionalism with a question mark after right. and how it right. opens is you talk about this dispute between various supreme court justices there are some who've argued in the past that well we really should not look at other courts uh, rulings when interpreting the US Constitution, you mentioned Scalia and Thomas sort of leading that pack. Of course. And, mm-hmm. and then on the other hand, right, there are the there are the internationalists on the court who say, no, actually there's there's a lot we can potentially learn. And Breyer and Kennedy uh, you mentioned in, in this context. And so yes. what I, I think a lot of folks, maybe in the American context, would say, well, what could we possibly learn? They're very different constitutions, and what could Breyer and Kennedy even mean by that? So, so maybe you could sketch that out a little bit for us.
1: Well, you see, um, all four of these uh, uh, people and their successors now are uh, qu- talking about court-centered legal doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, this book is about is the regime and how courts fit into the regime right you see so the most fundamental things we can learn is uh uh you know what is the relationship between uh, trump and past leaders in america and how does that compare with uh, uh, a mandela or a uh, a nehru etc and mm-hmm. so forth yeah. uh that's and then because you see um uh, uh Uh, 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 Well, okay, so that's the fundamental uh, 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 process here. And then how does Supreme Court doctrine and appointment practices fit in to this evolving uh, American revolutionary tradition? The very idea of a revolutionary tradition is weird
0: you you know i think
1: in, just, just in <laughs> what the is answer yeah it's a revolutionary yeah. tradition yeah yeah it's well, yeah, an oxymoron but that's because you're you're in, you're transfixed by chairman mao right you right you see uh, yep. the only real revolution is total right? no right um uh, re- revolutions uh, uh, on a human scale as i call them are are revolutions which uh, uh, take certain things uh, uh, for granted and and as the basis for transforming other parts of the institutional system, right. you see. Uh, so at the founding, um, the, uh, uh, the original uh, Constitution of the United States uh, is the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union. Mm-hmm. That was ratified yeah. by all 13 states. Right. Notice the words perpetual revolution, perpetual union. Um, what, uh, uh, what are, what Madison is a revolutionary? Yeah. Uh, at the time, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, we now worship the Federalist Papers, which, uh, 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 only became an object for ancestor worship after the Second World War. mm -hmm. Uh, The Federalist Papers, and now I have uh, some number-crunching studies which uh, demonstrate this, uh, were almost never cited, by which I mean never. Only in 1837 uh, in uh, the uh, Constitutional Revision in Virginia uh, was cited a lot because Madison was still uh, uh, Aminon's Glees there. Um, But uh, it was never cited. The great, uh, most influential jurists of the first uh, 75 years were uh, Joseph Story, which we never read. Mm. (laughs)
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so this. Uh, uh, so what uh, what is going on? Uh, is Donald Trump the first person to drain the swamp? No. George Washington right, is yeah. the first person <laughs> to
3: <laughs> right, drain
1: yes. the swamp. Thomas Jefferson said, oh, no, um, uh, 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 John Adams, you are a. Uh, uh, disgracefully yeah. collaborating with King George III against the French yeah. King George III is the- we <sighs> Fought and died in our battles against King George III. You are a traitor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Got pretty rough. Definitely. And that's right. No kidding around. And the uh, uh, and the uh, uh, Sedition Act uh, uh, passed by uh, under uh, 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 John Adams says anybody who speaks disrespectfully of the president shall go to jail. And that's what the Supreme Court did in yeah. 1800. Throw newspaper editors into jail. Yeah. Uh, the uh, similarly in 1828 with uh, uh, Jackson, similarly with Lincoln. Similarly, uh, with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, similarly, with Franklin Roosevelt. So the idea that uh, uh, similarly with uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson, they're mm. all draining the swamp. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty big swamp. <laughs> but, well, it's yeah. different, you know. Yeah. yeah. But that's what a revolution. But it isn't. Um, uh, it isn't a total revolution. at eat any time. Right. And the uh, and that's the whole idea. W- w- the word constitutional convention. In the language of the time, what is a convention? It is an illegal assembly, which right. nevertheless is legitimate. The convention parliament of 1688, which finally uh, 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 began the, hist- the modern history of Great Britain, is an illegal assembly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, So this is so uh, and uh, and when uh, Madison uh, proposes the Bill of Rights, there are only 11 states in the union. uh, So the idea that this is, uh, you know, uh, simply passed and uh, and ratified, not at all. Rhode Island refuses uh, to ratify and uh, is forced into the union through economic boycott. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, similarly uh, during the Civil War. We have the same thing, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the 13th and 14th Amendments. And I, 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 for those who are interested, uh, uh, I, uh, a good deal of my life dedicated to these three volumes called We the People, mm-hmm. which tells a story, uh, I hope, in a way that uh, ordinary people, not merely uh, a small group of uh, legal eagles, uh, can appreciate in any event people do read the book. Tell this this story in a blow by blow way. The uh, Congress that proposes the 13th Mm -hmm. Amendment has 25 states in it. Um, uh, It represented the, the, uh, there are 35, 36, Mm -hmm. depending on how you count, states in the Union at the time. And after all, the Union, uh, the Civil War is based on the idea that these 11 11 states could not constitutionally secede. Right. Um, Yet they are forced to ratify these, the 13th and 14th Amendments. Mm-hmm. They're not given a choice. In other words, says Thaddeus Stevens, they actually did secede. <laughs> we can rule over them with a military dictatorship, which is what we do. Right. Ulysses S. Grant and company are military dictators uh, who are summoning uh, conventions in the classical sense to ratify, and if they don't get ratified, uh, they're disbanded.
0: Yeah. Well, Uh, it seems uh, to me that that what happens here in in a lot of, at least the role of the courts, when I think when we think about the courts for the most part in in our modern context, at least in the U.S., is we think of them as just basically ruling on what the law is and interpreting the Constitution. But it it seems to me what, what at least you're in part arguing is that the courts have a very important role in potentially legitimizing these revolutionary changes.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh so let's uh jump uh as you were suggesting to uh this uh, uh fateful uh new deal revolution.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Um, uh because uh, a crucial uh, this really is a crucial moment in modern uh history between 1932 and 1936 uh uh, uh Roosevelt is uh uh, uh, proposing and gaining enactment uh, of uh, legislation which is plainly unconstitutional under the existing uh uh constitutional interpretation right. yeah um, and uh, uh, and when he, and he he's won uh, 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 an election uh, in nineteen uh thirty two uh, in uh declaring a new deal but he he didn 't know what it was right uh, there were a whole host of very different, uh, uh, elements of the uh, first new deal. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, they, uh, uh, were sufficiently plausible to the, uh, uh and it, it gave a sense of, um, um, uh, it gave a sense at least of, um, uh, of, uh, of progress. Um,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: um, uh, the, uh, and he then returns, in, um, uh, despite uh, 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 declaration, strong declarations of uh, unconstitutionality uh, for the centerpiece of the first new deal, the National Industrial Recovery Act, uh, um, uh, as well as many other um, uh, acts, um, he uh uh gives this very very famous speech uh, in um uh the day uh in Madison Square Garden just before the 1936 uh, uh uh elections uh which uh, describes uh, this in a, a way that one should uh, uh, consider. This is, after all, for the first time. Uh, for the really, we're, we're now in the era of radio, and people are listening to this speech and also uh, his famous fireside chats. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, tens of millions of people are listening to him, and uh, as he uh, turns uh, and. Uh, uh, just before the election, uh, to, for the support of the American people, he says some, he says this. Um, uh, throughout the last four years, we had to struggle with the old enemies of P, uh, enemies for, for business and financial monopoly, uh, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism. Um, uh, these people. These forces had begun to consider the government of the United States as a mere appendage to their own affairs. (laughs) We now know that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. (laughs) Uh, Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me. And I welcome their hatred. (laughs) Wow yeah that's a strong now, statement so when we talk about polarization uh-huh uh-huh you see um uh this uh, uh it is just wrong to think that uh uh the kind of polarization that we have today uh, is peculiar right in American a constitutional development, uh, the uh, the polarization uh, that led to uh, uh, the civil war in uh, uh, in 1860 led to the most bloody war in the West between 1815 and 1914. Uh, the uh, uh, here once again we have bitter polarization
3: yeah. the
1: difference between uh, uh this uh, uh polarization uh, and the polarization for example in uh, the revolutionary period which left which led to mass migration to canada mm-hmm. uh, uh the if uh, the, uh, the, the the canada has never recovered from <laughs> the fact of the american uh uh, uh Kick, the American revolutionaries tarring and feathering and kicking out all these loyalists.
2: Right, right. You see, uh, uh,
1: Here, however, we have a, a very distinctive moment. That is Roosevelt and the New Deal democ- Democrats achieve a smashing victory. Uh, so in 1936, uh, 40 Uh, there are only 10 States of the union uh, uh, in which uh, uh, the Republicans uh, get 40% of the vote. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. Um, And, um, and most, and even more remarkably, the Republic, most of the Republicans are pro new deal. They're progressives. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, uh he uh, the congress that meets uh in nineteen thirty seven uh, has uh, uh 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 forty well let's say how the house uh, in both houses uh we have uh 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 s- Supermajorities of seventy-five uh, percent or or so yeah. of Democrats, with most of the Republicans being progressives. Uh, uh, in anticipation of this, uh, the uh, uh, there is a tremendous amount of uh, 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 of preparation during the last two years of his first term, uh, in which thirty-nine different constitutional amendments are Worked out very elaborately and under wow. Roosevelt's express instruction uh, on how to constitutionalize uh, the New Deal, right. uh, just as the uh, uh, founding revolutionaries did, just as the uh, 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 the Civil War people. But they, but in this case, there isn't going to be the need for grotesque illegality as there occurred in the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, the um, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, here uh, there was a, a fateful decision uh, made uh, yeah. uh, 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 in on january sixth uh, uh, in the New york times uh, um, there was uh express Statement by uh, both uh, the Speaker of the House and the uh, uh, Majority Leader of the Senate that um, uh, they're going to have to uh, seriously consider constitutional formal constitutional amendments, uh, uh, and um, uh, and that and uh, that that was going to be the at the top of the agenda. Uh, uh, Roosevelt uh, uh, did not reject this. Uh, until uh, um, uh, later on in uh, uh, February, uh, 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 during this period, um, uh, moreover, the Supreme Court was uh, 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 pending before the Supreme Court was the Social Security Act uh, and the National Labor Relations Act, most mm-hmm. notably, and many other bills that were plainly unconstitutional under the existing law. Right. Okay. So this was the crucial question, was Roosevelt uh, going to, uh, um, uh, uh use his supermajorities uh, to, uh, propose and gain the ratification of, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the new deal amendments, which like the amendments, uh, from these much more divided, uh, and polarized times, uh, um, uh, were, um, uh, enacted by, uh, uh, in the, during the founding period and the, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that was, uh, the crucial question. Uh, and, um, what was and you were telling me before were you that you had uh, and then he says no
0: right that that's to me it seems like there's an opportunity at least the sense i get from from reading the book is you feel like in a way it was an opportunity wasted that he took another path to trying to make his revolution more durable and it wasn't nearly as well, it wasn't nearly as potentially successful as actually getting amendments in the Constitution would have been. Is that, is that, is that right?
1: Well, the, um, uh, he had, uh, 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 you know, he, there are two ways of uh, entrenching your revolution,
3: mm-hmm.
1: apparently. Uh, one is through constitutional amendments, and the other one is through things like the Social Security Act right um but before we talk about these two uh, comparative modes of uh uh of uh of action the question is why didn't he choose to constitutionalize yeah uh, uh and uh, uh and this is a uh a, a genuine uh, question uh because uh uh, he had a precedent in 1933 as one of their first acts. Uh, the New Deal Congress uh, and the president uh, uh, proposed the repeal of prohibition.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And the, what they did uh, and they and this succeeded in 11 months. Yeah. Wow. 11 months. Yeah. How did it succeed? They invoked. Uh, the uh, one of the alternative ways of getting ratification, rather than sending it to state legislatures, um, there was a special state constitutional convention. Notice the word, right? Right. <laughs> um, in which um, uh, there were two slates. Are you for or against uh, the um, uh, prohibition repeal? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, the movement for prohibition repeal began in the uh, 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 states where it was going to you know, be most uh, successful uh, because, of, because people thought that it was ridiculous. And then uh, cascaded so that in 11 months, they got without any difficulty um, the requisite uh, 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 three quarters ratification. Right. Okay. So Roosevelt, but Roosevelt was in a much stronger position in 1937. (laughs) Right. And so why didn't he do it? The answer is uh, that uh, he was, he was going to do it. (laughs) Okay. uh, So long as, um, uh, and uh, so long as uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court had struck down okay. the Social Security Act. Right. There would have been no doubt. He would have just done it. Right. Right. Uh, the re- and similarly, uh, the National Labor Relations Act, which was absolutely central. There were sit down strikes, mass violence. We you know, I mean, this was uh, uh, really uh, a fraught time in the history of the United States. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the question uh, so he was going to do it. Uh, uh, uh if uh, in i mean in these these cases these the, the these two statutes and others are pending and if the uh, uh court had struck down uh, them down as they should have if they had followed the pre- their own precedents of okay. 1934 35 and 36 um, you know, we would have taken that route uh, but uh here is the famous switch in time sure uh, uh, the uh, and once again we have statistical studies which indicate that uh, the justices changed their votes, right, <laughs> uh, 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 in ways that were completely different from the way they had voted in thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six. So the uh, so here we saw, as Roosevelt s- says in justifying his uh, court packing plan, uh, that. Um, uh, uh, really, uh, it, the court judicial personnel is all important. Right. Yeah. If we had, he says, there are people here, um, who are saying we should, um, uh, have constitutional amendments spend the next six months on constitutional amendments. Well, if we do, we're not going to be able to pass a lot more yeah. good legislation. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, uh, even if we do enact these amendments, they'll be sabotaged. Right. By the court. By, sure. Yeah. You yeah. see, so the, uh, so the, the, the crucial thing is the switch in time. Right. Uh, which doesn't really take this, the steam out of it, the, the, uh, out of court packing, court packing, uh, really, uh, 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 uh dies in, uh, the Senate because, uh, 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 the uh, a majority leader uh, dies uh, on the floor of the Senate or just outside the floor of the Senate uh, uh, in July, and uh, as a consequence, uh, the bill fails. Yeah,
0: and, <sighs> and, so, else. and so and so yes. essentially the main way that. That FDR tried to basically protect this revolutionary legacy was through uh, was through appointing people to the court. And
1: And this is precisely what Ronald Reagan does, too. You yeah, see, that, that's what I wanted to ask
0: you, right? Because that consensus under FDR, that kind of New Deal consensus, really held until kind of the 80s. Right. And that's where in the book you talk about this, what you call the strategy of transformative appointment. Is that, that's, that's where right. that comes in, right? The
1: strategy of transformative appointments is Felix Frankfurter. Okay, yeah, all right. Who Who is Felix Frankfurter? He is a leading legal intellectual mm-hmm. who is doing great service to the administration as part of the brain, helping out on the brain trust. He's the person, uh, So I mean, we don't have to go through his his remarkable career, uh, but he is really, uh, you know, uh, basically Roosevelt is like George Bush. He is a patrician who's not that intelligent, knows it. OK, is wonderful at getting really first rate minds. He's right. not threatened by first rate minds because he doesn't th- that isn't why he's there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a Roosevelt. Uh-huh. You know, they've been Roosevelt's <laughs> yeah. since seventeen fifty. Right, right. <laughs> and Bushes too. The uh, uh so uh what we have is, you know, let's have William Douglas, another uh, uh, professor. Right and and uh, and uh, and Frankfurter both uh, being high-powered intellectuals, and they're going to turn the say what the New Deal principles are. Right, right? and this is precisely what uh, Ronald Reagan does. He's going to repeal the New Deal by New Deal methods. Uh, Who is Nina Mouskaliya? Just Felix Frankfurter.
0: Ah, okay, okay, sure.
1: Uh, and who is Robert Bork? Uh, uh, William O. Douglas. Um, that is uh, uh, Robert Bork goes before them, as does Felix Frankfurter. He go, is the first person. Uh, before that, it was not deemed to be appropriate for the uh, the uh, uh, nominee to go before the Judiciary Committee and speak on his own behalf because he was a judge. Right, judges don't do that. Yeah, uh, but Felix Frankfurter is called and said. You, we want to know what you really think. And he says what he really thinks. And uh, his opponent said, aha, we thought, ah, yeah, uh-huh. you are a lefty commie. Right. No. Right. <laughs> well, this is precisely Nino Scalia. And this is also uh, precisely Bob Bork, uh, who taught me, I should tell you. Uh, uh, Bob Bork was, you know, very impressive intellectual. Uh, and, uh, explained why it was that the right to privacy was nowhere in the constitution and therefore is illegitimate. Uh, um, uh, just as, uh, Felix Frankfurter do similar consequences or is condemning these, uh, 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 uh you know, private property, uh, dis- protective decisions, uh, as illegitimate. Yeah. Um. Uh, The only difference is that when uh, 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 Felix Frankfurter is there, the uh, president, uh, the Democrats have a very strong majority in the Senate. And most of the Republicans are, are, uh, uh, they've learned the lesson of 1936 when uh, Alf Landon, it was supposed to be a Landon slide, gets crushed. Uh, They're moving to accept the New Deal, but trying to limit it. this is not the case uh, 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 when Bork is nominated. Uh, uh, they've lost control of the Senate, yeah. and, uh, and the uh, uh, and uh, and then when Bork says what he, you know, clearly believes uh, uh, yeah. and has you know jurisprudential. There's this is where he has really powerful jurisprudential that alienates the yeah. centrists. Uh, and, and never gonna no one's going to make that
0: mistake again. I mean, that was, well, that was that's uh, right.
1: That's why everybody learned the lesson. Right. You see, And this generates the stealth strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Now that is a profound, uh, uh, a move. Um, so that means, you know, let's, uh, 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 take Merrick Garland, mm-hmm. Merrick Garland, um, if um, uh, Merrick Garland had been given a hearing, right? Does anyone think that what they would have learned anything from about him? Yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, you see, well, so this is very significant. Uh, if Roosevelt, in retrospect, not in prospect, Roosevelt succeeded in his own terms. He, the Roosevelt. Uh, foundations uh, enhanced by the civil rights foundations. I haven't really talked about that, but that's of course a crucial thing. Sure. What I call the the New Deal civil rights uh, constitutional regime sustained itself from uh, 1940s to uh, the 1990s. Yes, yeah, not bad. Before, that's pretty good. Yeah, compared to other regimes. Um, right. uh, and so rather than thinking Roosevelt didn't work, it worked. Um, and indeed, uh, even to this day, it worked in the sense that, um, uh, although the, uh, as a result of the court packing that we've seen, uh, uh, um, uh, uh the Supreme court is now, uh, uh, really uh uh potentially at least on a rampage i uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh uh-huh. but um uh no one you know, the republicans can't uh, uh, repudiate social security
0: right yeah that's sure third rail see, still so
1: there are these two different forms of entrenchment similarly um it is uh 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 not as easy as the Republicans thought to repudiate Obamacare. Right. Uh-huh. Obamacare is like social security. Right. You see, which is not to say that, uh, they won't, but it's harder for them to do that than to reinterpret an amendment.
3: Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, uh, so, uh, what is distinctive about Trump then? You see, uh, I mean, on the one hand, Trump is draining the swamp. Uh, On the other hand, uh, 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 Trump is um, uh, using uh, mass media. So did uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, who uh, organized the first, and Teddy Roosevelt organized the first Press conferences. Mm-hmm. Woodrow Wilson is the first person since uh, 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 1800 to actually go and deliver the State of the Union right. address uh, on the floor of Congress. It was not considered to be appropriate. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, uh, it was uh, uh, the uh, so with Wilson on the president becomes a media figure, and then of course Roosevelt becomes a media figure. And of course, uh, Lyndon Johnson's great speeches and Martin Luther King's great speeches. That's how we got the Civil rights revolution. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to be a media figure, Ronald Reagan is a media figure. So the fact that Trump is a media figure is not distinctive. Right. Yeah. Um, what is distinctive uh, uh is that uh, uh Trump uh is uh uh really uh anti constitutionalist. Yeah.
0: It's almost he's a constitutionalist. It's that he doesn't right. even really you know, it's it's not even a factor well, in the that's consideration. The,
1: I mean, but that's you know, that's the feature. Right. Right, that's the feature—not that he is a, a revolutionary,
3: got gotcha. you, okay—but
1: uh, that he is uh, anti-constitutional, and this is therefore a crisis of profound character. Uh, 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 Anti—we've had anti-constitutional revolutions. That's what i said that the great mm-hmm. danger right. is uh, to uh, the revolutionary human scale is anti-constitutional revolutions right uh, the uh uh and uh and that's uh and when we look you see and we ask ourselves uh, um uh, is um uh, is uh, uh, what will happen is is the election of two thousand and twenty of fundamental significance the answer is yes right uh, we uh really are if uh the the big difference between uh uh the united states and let 's take uh, the u k is not um merely that um the u k is fr- confronting a very different crisis in which the elite is uh, undermining its own authority. Uh, uh, But uh, that the pro-constitutional forces in uh, England are divided into a host of different groups. So Jeremy Corbyn is one... Kind of uh, leader, and then the Scottish nationalists are another, and then there are the liberals. All of these people have a great deal of difficulty coordinating with one another.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever else is to be said, this is not true in the United States. The uh, there is a broad movement to sustain the principles of constitutionalism. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, if it loses this time. This is right. very serious because President Trump, whatever you say about this impeachment, uh, uh, will take that as a mandate for anti-constitutional authoritarianism. Right.
0: But I mean, what some people, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this, would say, OK, sure, but he can only go. He can only go so far, he doesn't have the leadership skills or the legislative skills to really do the sort of things on uh, like the FDR did, and he does, certainly doesn't have the majorities. And yeah, so, so This,
1: he's, is, this no. is precisely what they said about Adolf Hitler. Okay. Adolf Hitler is a clown. Right. Uh, he just frosts at the mouth. He can easily be manipulated and controlled by serious people. Mm-hmm. Um between uh that's why we, the, we are at nineteen thirty, Weimar. Not nineteen thirty three. Between nineteen thirty 1930 and nineteen thirty three, Weimar, uh Hitler wins three elections in a row. No. Oh, yeah. Um
2: and um uh and and uh, uh, he is a clown. Right.
1: Uh, He was completely incompetent. There was a putsch, and he failed. No, you know, a complete clown during the uh, uh, 1920s. Even though uh, um, the uh, uh, you know he was operating under very propitious circumstances, national humiliation in a way that we have never been humiliated. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, uh, And um, uh, so I don't want to. uh, It isn't that Trump is Hitler. No. It's. This is the whole point of my book to make these comparisons uh, uh, and understand that uh, uh, the preeminent uh, form of threat in a revolutionary tradition is precisely authoritarianism authoritarianism right. comes in a different a number of different varieties one a uh, uh a movement party which wants to transform everything uh uh, uh that's not uh trump <laughs> mm-hmm. no yeah <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Trump is a demagogue. Uh, but it will, uh, uh, he, it will be, if, if elected a second time, uh, 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 simply do what he's already been doing, uh, uh, pushing Congress to one side. Uh, the court is not going to intervene. What is going to check him? Right. What is going to check him? So that's so 2020 is not to be thought of, oh, well, you know, it's just another election. It isn't uh, just another election. And uh, regardless of whether he wins or loses, uh, 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 we should learn lessons uh, from this moment and ask ourselves, what should we do uh, so that uh, uh, future demagogues of the left or the right Right. Yeah. Yeah. um, I have a political persona, but my concern here is constitutionalism. What should we do to restore a sense of the in the American people that it's the American people's constitution? Right. uh, uh, Which was lost with Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, 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 because it was the justices who are going to do the constitutional yeah. transformation yeah. rather than self-conscious decision-making. And that's what leads me at the end of this book to prefer to propose the proper popular sovereignty initiative. Yeah. I where, wanted to
0: ask you about that. Yeah, definitely.
1: Where if a, if a president wins a second term, if he does, uh, he, uh, has the authority, uh, within his, uh, 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 to propose, uh, with the support of a majority of Congress—not uh, supermajority—support uh, propose a constitutional amendment,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, or an, a popular sovereignty initiative, which shall have the force of a constitutional amendment amendment, uh, um, uh, and he just can propose it. Right, And four years later, and then if it's approved by a majority of uh, 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 four years later of course you can change the details here. Sure. Um, uh then uh, uh, it will go up another time uh, uh, in eight years. And so, and so the idea of the delay again. is so
0: it's not it's not under that president where it would actually go into Completely. effect. Completely. Right? So yeah. he
1: is in uh, be, he's behind a veil of ignorance. He doesn't know what's going to happen eight years right. down on. Right. You see, what is it? What is his legacy? And it can't be. Uh, 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 and then he then it has to be a, approved by Congress the next time and then put before the American people. Uh, uh, in four years and then four years again. Uh, uh, and after that, it's part of the Constitution. So we restore right. this notion that we had, but it improved in an improved form, I should say,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that that uh, we had in uh, the founding in which the first 10 amendments are just rifled through yeah. in the way that I described. Yeah. And, uh, and so too the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments just pushed through. Right. Uh, uh, with the obvious threat of military force behind them um, the uh, we no we have a much more deliberate process and after all uh, uh, and that means then that every maybe you know uh, uh, and this is a much improved from the kind of uh, referendum we have in California. We get forty things on the yeah, ballot, you yeah, know, uh-huh. and nobody <laughs> knows what they are. The uh, and you uh, so so there is a tradition of this, but really uh, we have to uh, reflect upon the uh, progressive tradition uh, that comes out of the early twentieth uh, century uh, and uh, yeah. use it to restore the idea that first the folks in Washington D.C. have to vote for it. But then uh the American people, in a cell in a considered fashion distinct from ordinary politics, have to right. vote a couple of times after they discuss it. You yeah. see yeah uh, so that the idea of government by by the people as not only for the people <laughs> uh, right. is restored because that is the crisis for us uh, it's all too. Possible, I won't say likely, but possible that uh, um, uh, we will come out of uh, if let's imagine the the scenario that Trump loses and the new uh, president uh, fails to accomplish much. And then uh, uh, another uh, uh, Republican wins and he fails to accomplish much. But there's going to be a lot of screaming and yelling that we're going to do something, do something. This will Um, uh, And the Supreme Court does nothing uh, to prevent and check uh, 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 this kind of presidential uh, unilateralism and the uh, Congress does nothing. uh, Well, uh, uh, the American people will become increasingly convinced these clowns in Washington uh, are just clowns.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, i i I, cert- I certainly hope that's not the scenario that plays out, and I'm sure you do. Uh, you do of too. Course.
1: Yeah, and this, this book is an effort to encourage uh, my readers and uh, to think of, you know, practical ways. Like the, you know, you may not like my popular sovereignty in- initiative, but institutional supplementary designs. A constitution right. is institutions, not people. Yeah, and how yep. can institutions? Uh, remain credible. Yeah, uh, That's the problem that we face.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like too many people focus on the individuals and don't pay enough attention to the structure of the institutions when we're talking about these things. So you are, with me, definitely preaching to the choir for sure. Um, well. And, and, you know, I I know we're running a little long, but I did want to say that there's just to listeners, there's just so much more than even this in the book. And it was just a a fascinating dive into not just the American scene, but really constitutions around the world. And and I learned a ton. And so, uh, Bruce Ackerman, it was just a pleasure to have you on to talk about this today.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you like what you heard. Listener support is what keeps the show going, and we truly appreciate it. When you become a monthly sustaining supporter of the show on Patreon, you don't just get our gratitude, you get a supporters-exclusive bonus episode each and every week. Also, supporters at various levels can get additional bonuses, like Politics Guys gear and access to a special supporters-only Facebook group. To learn more about all this stuff, go to patreon.com politicsguys, or you can visit our website, politicsguys.com slash support. Subscribing to the show also really helps, as does sharing episodes. Word of mouth is, of course, the best advertising, and we really would appreciate it if you tell folks about the show. Leaving reviews and ratings on whatever podcast app you use is also greatly appreciated. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at mail at politicsguys.com. There's also our Facebook page where you can message Justin, and we're posting things throughout the week. It's facebook.com slash politicsguys page finally we're on twitter at politics guys the executive producers of the politics guys are bruce johnson Wilma moreno benji fishman and andra Mesk. today's show was produced by michael baronowski we'll be back with a new show on saturday
3: we hope you'll join us